Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good afternoon, my Conscious Crow creators. Good morning, good evening, wherever you're tuning in from. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got a wonderful show in store for you. I have a fascinating guest um, who we'll bring on in a moment. I hope you had a chance to catch last week's show. Um, uh, it, w- it was just a wonderful conversation. Um, so I, I, I hope you caught it as well. Um, next week, uh, just a reminder, next week, Thursday is Thanksgiving. That means no new show next week. So we're going to skip a week and then, uh, uh, uh the, the, December 7th, I believe, is the first Thursday in December. I'll, I'll have a guest and then, uh, I'll, I'll, or no, November 30th, no guest. Then I have a guest. And then the last show of the year, December 14th, um, no guest, uh, unless someone amazing pops through. Um, and then of course, as always, the last two weeks of the year, we go dark because I need a break. Um, so we've got a lot coming up. All right. So let's get started. Um, before I bring my guest on, of course, now you know, I haven't been doing my quotes from my book, Everyday Awakening. So I'm just going back, picking out uh, in order from a couple of years ago, my blog posts. And today's blog post is entitled, The Other Side of the Heartbreak of Loss is a New Possibility. Letting go can be hard. We get used to something or someone being in our life. Their absence feels unnatural, as if there's now a hole in our life. Yet when we focus on the absence, we miss what is actually happening in our lives, which is making space for something or someone new to come in. Life is a constant flow of beginnings and endings. It is only when something has left that there is room for something new to come in. Like a bookcase full of books. If there's no room for another book, how can we add it to our collection? Yet if we give a book or two to a friend, now we have room for another new book. It is the same with people in our lives. We can only keep up a close friendship with so many people. 
It takes time and physical presence to create a strong connection. If our time is completely taken up with all of our existing friends, how can we make a new one? We will naturally spend less time with an old one in order to make room for the new one who just entered our life. It is a necessary balancing of our internal and external resources. So while we may feel the sting of someone's absence from our life, it is also an opportunity. Now that we have some space, life can fill it up with something new and unexpected. In that void is the potential of something greater to be born, such as leaving one's job to start a new business or moving out of one's home to change one's environment or town. What possibilities await us in what we used to consider a whole? Life abhors a vacuum and will eventually fill that void. By keeping our hearts open to new possibilities, we leave more room for life to surprise us with something amazing. Of course, we will always grieve our losses. And when we feel our pain, and we will feel our pain and our heartbreak. Yet the other side of that heartbreak is something new and different. Perhaps keeping our minds focused on that part will ease the feelings we are in. Do you have a loss in your life that is an opportunity for something new to come in? Can you move from the feeling of the loss to the feeling of new possibilities? So actually, my wife inspired this blog post um, because a very good friend of ours who actually lives in our apartment building or used to live in our apartment building just upstairs from us had really become my wife's closest friend. She was also from China, like my wife. But because of China closing up and her mom getting sick, and she was concerned about not getting back to take care of her parents. As soon as there was an opportunity, she got, uh, I don't know, a letter, a special visa, was able to get go back to China and has been there ever since. And it's been difficult for my wife because I know tons of people. I'm an extrovert. I collect people. I just love people. My wife is much more of an introvert. She doesn't have a lot of friends. But the friends she has are really close, really tight friendships for her. So in a sense, she was kind of grieving the loss of her friend because her friend had been like her closest friend. And yes, they still keep in touch. They still talk on WeChat and all kinds of things. But it's just not quite the same when someone's not close by, I mean, they used to bring food for each other. When one was sick, the other one would cook for them. Uh, you know, when, when one would go out and see something, she'd buy it for the other one. And, and we spent you know, time together. So suddenly she's not there anymore. And not only did she go back to China, but after a few months, she rented out her apartment, which means she's not coming back anytime soon. So there was some grief there. There was some loss. And it stings. It hurts. But as my wife processed it and we spoke about it and we reflected on it, we kind of saw that. And this is one of the things that she came up with was that, you know, when when everything is so full, you know, my wife gets on my case all the time because I'm more of a hoarder than she is. Like, I love to keep things like I have T-shirts that are I've had since college. Right. And they're like all falling apart stuff. She's like, get rid of it. I'm like, no, it's an emotional attachment. But she's very good at like letting go of stuff. You know, look, you got to make room for new things. You know, why don't you let go of it so you can get something new? And, and you know, she she lovingly teases me about it. And we joke about it. But really, there's a lot of wisdom in just that idea. We tend to want to keep everyone and everything in our lives. But when we do that, our life gets filled up with the things we have, and then there's no room for something new to come in. 
And so when we let something go, when someone leaves our life, or if we leave a job, or we change our business, or we move, or whatever it is, whenever there's some kind of big change that suddenly something that was in our life before and we were used to having in our lives is now no longer in our life, there's a sense of loss. You know, for men, our so much of our identity is tied up in our job, what we do and, and how we earn a living. You know, I have a friend who his whole department got laid off uh, a few months ago and and he still hasn't found a new gig and and he he texted me the other day saying he feels kind of lost i mean you know not just lost because of the job other things too but you know men when we lose the way we earn a living we feel loss for women it's more usually about that primary relationship when 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 a friend's husband dies or or a long-term partner passes or leaves as a woman, you feel uncertain. You don't know what to do. It's it's hard. You know, I get all that. And look, when when we lose someone or something, we grieve that loss. It's a natural part of the process. If we don't grieve, then we're not truly being present to our pain and our emotions. And that energy will get stuffed down and it will come out at a later time. So, yes, it is normal and natural to grieve the loss. But once we finish grieving, then it's time to move forward. Because that loss is an opportunity. It's a, it's a hole in our lives. And life will just not leave it there. Life will fill it up with something else. And who knows what that something else is? Maybe something better. Maybe something closer. You know, if you've lost a dear friend, maybe there's a new friendship that you'll develop that'll last the rest of your life. Or if it's something that uh, you know, like a job or a business or a place. And maybe you love your house or your apartment and, and you have to move because of something. And maybe you'll find the new place that you move to feeds your soul even more. You know, I know a lot of people who've left New York City during the last three years and have moved to all kinds of places. I mean, a ton down to Florida, but out to the West Coast, to places like Colorado and Arizona. And, you know, when I talk to people who leave, they they all say the same thing. Like, they miss New York. They miss the stuff they had here. But they so appreciate the new place they are, the nature, the, the beauty, the space. So, yeah, when we lose something, do we grieve? Do we feel it? Absolutely. And when all is said and done... Then we look around and we see what we, what's still there, what we have. So I understand that loss is heartbreaking. Loss can feel devastating. And it's not the end. And, and it's not the, And it's not the final thing. There's more to life. There's more coming our way. As a matter of fact, um, a a former guest who I've once had on my show a couple, a few years ago, John D. Martini, he has a wonderful process called the breakthrough experience. That's a wonderful healing process, I guess. For us to see when there's some loss, how the energy balances out with something else. So I highly recommend that if anyone is going through some loss. But that's just a part of life. The more we live, the more things change. And if anything, I see it more and more. Life is changing greater and faster than ever before. 
So that's my blog post entitled The Other Side of the Heartbreak of Loss is a New Possibility. And if you liked what I read and you'd like to read more of my blogs, there's a ton of them on the Talk Radio website. Just go to talkradio.nyc slash blog or just, you know, go to talkradio.nyc and click on the menu option that says blog. And, you know, there's years, literally years worth of my blog up there. Um, so I hope you'll you'll take the time to explore and let me know. You know, if there's a particular blog post you like, let me know. And why do you like it? That'll help me out. All right. I don't have too much time before a break, but I definitely want to introduce to you my guest before we go to break. So this week, it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show artistic development speaker, producer, coach, and trauma-informed psychedelic integration specialist, Emelina Pedigo. Emelina entered the New York City art scene producing an international theater festival, working with artists from around the world hungry to get their art into theater, into the theater capital of the world. Emelina went on to work at the Tribeca International Film Festival, the Hamptons International Film Festival, the, the CMJ Music Festival, and even the World Science Festival. As a tour and stage manager, Emelina toured theaters, arenas, and schools across the U.S., working with artists from all different artistic disciplines. Emelina assisted a five-time Tony Award-winning producer, Stuart F. Lane, on four Broadway productions, including the Broadway to Off-Broadway transfer of The 39 Steps. After launching The Show Goes On in 2011, her work began to focus on emerging trends in entertainment. There, she found herself stuck inside a self-perpetuating system of exploitation, witnessing many artists losing the fight. She would have been lost, too, if it were not for an excursion to an ayahuasca retreat in the Peruvian mountains. Upon her return, she found a solution she feels belongs to the world, a paradigm shift that starts one artist at a time. She calls it the sustainability cycle. She co-founded Arts Lab, an incubator program that cultivates arts meets biz, and served on the board of the Conscious Capitalism New York City chapter. Her work helped build arts programming within the Chelsea Greenwich Village Chelsea uh, Chamber of Commerce. It's a mouthful. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Emelina. Thank you so much, Sam. It's a it's lovely to be here, and I very much enjoyed your blog post on grief. I think it's very timely, so thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. By the way, in looking at all of this, it just made me realize I have a good friend of mine out in Salt Lake City who's creating a new business called No More Starving Artists. Uh, yes. Mimosa, about connecting artists with businesses. So after the show, remind me, I have to connect you with him. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I'm a little bit over time, so let's go to break. And when we come back, I'd like to ask you, like, how did you get into all of this? You know, what has your journey been like? What brought you down to to the Peruvian mountains for that retreat? Because I've had on a number of psychedelic therapists over the last few weeks. And and then we'll take it from there. Okay, Emelina? Sounds good. Thanks, Sam. Awesome. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on talkradio.nyc and all over social media. And we will be right back with our guest, Emelina Pedigo, in just a moment. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronco, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. 
What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc, Fridays at noon Eastern, and Intangify, your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. So, Emelina, I, I have a million and one questions for you, but but let's just start with your journey a little bit. Um, did you go to school for um, arts or, or like how did you get into the, just the whole art world? Was it something like you knew from the time you were a little girl? Were you painting murals on your bedroom walls or anything? <laughs> um, you know, I've been very passionate and I think artists are very passionate about what they do. So in that regard, yes, always since a little girl, I did with a friend in elementary school, we would reenact the movies we loved. So I ah. guess there was always a little theatrical element to me. Um, and I did go to school for theater. Mm. I was in a theater conservatory. And then of course that brought me to New York because I also mm. have an entrepreneur in me. You know, I grew mm. up in the Bay area during the dot-com boom. Uh, uh-huh. Silicon Valley, the heart of Silicon Valley. So I watched the Google. Yeah, actually, I was I left before Google um, launched, actually, but you uh-huh. know, and Facebook. But the dot com boom was happening uh, right w- around the time that I left. So, so like uh, Yahoo and uh, yeah, and Apple was still there. Apple. You know, Apple was still doing its thing, and um, and Matt and Macintosh, not Macintosh. What was it? IBM? Actually, IBM, IBM. was very big back then. Yeah, I'm going to date myself, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, you know, I had friends who were in college, just, you know, 21 who were, um, you know, creating some kind of .com and making a ton of money. So it kind of felt like this was like in the mid to late 90s where it kind of felt like, you know, the world was our oyster. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that definitely framed my um, kind of business mindset, which which I kind of just assumed applied to the arts as well. <laughs> I thought we could all do whatever yeah. we wanted. So, you know, and then when I, by the time I got to New York, after I got my degree, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a rude awakening that it wasn't as easy mm. as I thought it was going to be. I couldn't just start something and, and make it happen overnight when it came to arts. You know, there was a lot more barriers right. it felt like for artists. So, yeah, I think that's kind of my early journey. And then, you know, um, and, and what's the show? Um, the show goes on that, that you formed in 2011. What's that all about? Yeah, so that was really so. I had moved to New York to manage uh, an international theater festival, and so yeah. I was still kind of, um, you know. And in hindsight, I probably did not realize how good I had it because <laughs> I basically, you know, John Chatterton, God bless him, it was his festival, and he basically would we would sit around we would go out to lunch and just talk ideas he was very much an entrepreneur as well he called himself a theatrical entrepreneur and we Mm. would come up with ideas and he would just fund it so I and then it was my job to implement it so maybe a little disconnect from uh, for me about like getting the money that part was probably missing because he would just kind of fund everything you know we would obviously come up with budgets and figure out ways to make the money back, but I was not the one coming up with the money. So, um, so, you know, usually one of the hardest parts. (laughs) Exactly. I kind of skipped over that part. So (laughs) it it was an interesting early beginning. Again, though, I had this mindset of I could just do anything, you know, and I did grow the festival with alongside John, you know, we, when I first moved to New York, there was only three venues and, and maybe like 20 shows and or actually it might have only been two venues and I g- helped him grow it to seven venues and over 60 shows. So um, we, you know, we that we really expanded that festival and that was such an exciting time for me. It was very fruitful and very creative. And and then I left. Oh, yeah. The, the question, though, was about show goes on. So I left to kind of um, 
to, to, to start my own journey, right? Because this was always under John. And, and eventually, you know, John kind of had his ideas of where he wanted to take things. And I had my own ideas. So I, um, I, I, re- I resigned MITF, you know, I, I sent out a press release. And, um, and then I launched The Show Goes On, which was really my own business to kind of uh, to produce my own events and theater. I started with the show and um, the idea was to keep it going on. You know, the show goes on. And, uh, and actually, that name is very appropriate because as I have changed and as my pursuits have changed, I mean, I was still very well, actually, when, around the time that I launched The Show Goes On, I was specifically interested in marrying kind of the music and theater industries, mm. which was starting to happen. It was around the time of Rock of Ages. Oh, and I had okay. seen The Toxic Avenger, which was written by, you know, um, yeah. David Ryan, the bassist of Bon Jovi. And Memphis came out like a couple of years later. He wrote that, too. And I was just really inspired by these rock musicals and and kind of my... Um, uh, dream at the time was to really create a venue that was dedicated to development for these kind of non-traditional concepts, um, which, you know, now music and theater go together very well. So that's, you mm-hmm. know, old news now, but at the time that's really where I was interested, but as I've kind of changed my um, passions and pursuits, the show goes on has been very appropriate for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Got it. So the show kept going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> things changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in your bio, it says you got stuck inside a self-perpetuating system of exploitation. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What What, what do you mean by exploitation and a, and a self-perpetuating system? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because actually it ties in a little bit with this your blog and the concept of grief, because I think there's just not in this system, especially in New York City, it's go, 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 you know, which is what drew me there, actually, because I was go, 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 you know, and everyone has their side hustle. You know, for me, it was like five side hustles, you know, and mm. they're all businesses and everything was going. And so it's when you are and then also there's living and surviving in New York City, which yeah. is a puzzle <laughs> in and of itself, you know, so there's you, you kind of it's very quick to go into like um, survival mode. Right. And I think nowadays that's a kind of a common we get that we get that means. But certainly when I was doing it, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that I was think I wasn't thinking from a place of like like what your show is all about from like a holistic conscious place. I was thinking I was making business decisions and even artistic decisions from really this uh, survival, this place of survival. So um, it's when you're in that state, it's really easy to be exploited, to get exploited, right? Because you're kind of desperate. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of the artists I was around was like, you know, if you don't come to the show, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do another one. So please, you have to make this show. Yeah. You know, the show is like my, this is my opportunity to show the world what I have, you know, and that stakes are so high <laughs> for artists because we're all so passionate, you know? And I think Part of the artist mentality, like as I define it in a book I'm writing about artist development, is is you have to, uh, you know, we create from a place of vulnerability. So that makes artists particularly vulnerable because we're in this, this place of creativity. And so when these opportunities come to to produce your show or to, you know, to get your work seen, Again, um, we're very quick to take that opportunity because it feels like it may be the only opportunity we ever get. And so these are the kinds of decisions that I could see. I mean, I was making these decisions, but what really hit me was when I could see other people making these decisions. Mm. You know, like I knew this musician once who who really he was like he was also a personal trainer, which is, blows my mind. But he believed he was consciously like skipping meals so that he could save money to get into the studio. And I was like, but you know how bad that is for your body. And he's like, yeah, but once I get the album made, you know, once the song comes out, then I can be healthy, you know? And so that was just uh, really heartbreaking to see, you know, and also I'm definitely an empath, which I've learned the hard way. So I'm taking on, you know, this like exploitation. I mean, people are doing it to themselves, you know, let alone the fact that as soon as you get signed to a label or as soon as you get into a contract with somebody or you sign a lease for a theater for a show, you know, you are um, basically at that person's will. So I definitely um, had some. Uh, you know, business deals go wrong where I kind of just got screwed over and, you know, and this happens in the theater too, you know, and it's uh, the artists. In fact, I know this um, one person who was like the theater owner said, 
Well, if you want to hire a lawyer to sue me to get your money back, you can do that. But I know that you can't afford that lawyer. So sorry, you're just out of the money, you know? So there's constantly things like happening like that, where people are just getting screwed over and where it was just too much for my little heart. (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of what just kept breaking people, you know, and also seeing people leave you know, come to New York and leave and come and leave and make the same mistakes. And yeah. 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 You ever hear the old joke of two people meet in line at the post office and one gentleman says to the other, Oh, what do you do? And the gentleman says, Oh, I'm an actor. And he was like, Oh, what restaurant do you work at? Right. <laughs> exactly. Which even that in some ways for me is like, is part of the problem, you know, cause I think that's right. also for me where I started to detach because it was like, um, it's not just the artist, it's this mentality of, well, you must be, you know, yeah. having to slave away in order to do art, you know, right. Like, right. There's something wrong with that. Like we should be like, Oh, you're Absolutely. an actor. That's amazing. What is your art? What have you been in? Uh, you know, those should be the answer. The questions. Exactly. 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 I, I, I want to ask you about what brought you down to uh, the Peruvian mountains to your ayahuasca retreat and all that, but we, it's time to take another break. So I want to hold that till we come back. So then we can start a whole new uh, yeah. part of the show. So um, let's do this. I'll take that break. We'll come back. And then I want to hear all about that. Okay, Emelina? Great. Yeah. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with our guest, Emelina Pedigo, in just a moment. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Standard time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And welcome back. Uh, so, Melina, I mean, it sounds like you were in a very intense situation. Um, how did you end up going down to do ayahuasca? What year was that, by the way? 2015. Oh, wow. That was quite a while ago. That was yeah. before a lot of people discovered yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like. I mean, there were certainly some celebrities, I think. Like Sting had done it. <laughs> Sting yeah. Yeah. do it. <laughs> but, yeah, it was definitely not commonplace. So how'd you end up down there? Yeah, well, you know, I was, I, I kind of feel like it is a little bit of the New York um, stereotype in some ways. Like I just was so jaded. I felt like I'd seen everything and I felt, you know, and I kind of just kept, um, you know, trying. And I also had big ideas. I'm a big ideas girl. So, you know, like I wanted this venue that I was hell bent on building. I wanted to build in ideally Times Square. I just wanted to build this giant venue in Times Square, you know, little old Emelina from California, from the Bay Area, you know. So I had these really big ideas and I was meeting with, you know, some really big people. I was getting in the rooms with these people and and a, a pitch. I was making pitches and to some big investors. And um, and so, you know, it just it just got to the point where I felt like I was just um, doing the same thing over and over again. I definitely got, like I said, got kind of got screwed over on some small ventures I had. So I was running out of money. I was, I was not, I was probably not spending enough time raising money for those of you who are looking for the arts meets biz part of it. I was a more, my, my uh, approach was more about like making like to lower my expenses so I could pay for my own. It was my art. My, my business ventures were my art. So I was producing shows for artists, spending all my own money. So I was slowly running out of money. I wasn't moving as fast as I would have liked to move. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you have to let's you need a proof of concept before you we can see your big thing. But the problem was, is that I wanted to build from the ground up. And so I was like, how do you show a proof of concept without the funding to be able to do that? So anyways, well, I will say, though, actually, because I think this is interesting in terms of the business side of things, is I did take out a $10,000 loan. This was probably around 2013. So was it 10,000? I think it was 10,000. Yeah, I think it was 10,000. So 10,000 back then went a little bit further than it does now. Um, but I took out a loan to rent a venue to do one night of basically what I wanted to do in my big venue. And what I found was I couldn't, I couldn't find a venue. That's the whole reason why I wanted to build, right? That I could afford to produce an event for $10,000. So the, the, one of the venues I found said um, in New York City, it's probably, I don't even know if it's still there anymore. It was the Edison Ballroom. Um, they wanted me to, they wanted catering. They said for the catering in itself is $10,000 just to do the catering. And I said, oh, I don't need any food. And they said, that's fine, but you still have to pay for it. I was like, what? You know, so it was like things like that, you know, that is like these business. This is also what led me eventually to kind of start Arts Meets Biz too, because a lot of these like business ideas don't make sense. And so many people are just like, 
okay, well, that's just how it is, you know? And, and I'm like, well, that, that's not how it should be. So anyways, right. I was just kind of, I felt like I was getting bombarded by a lot of these things. That's just the way that it is. That didn't make sense. And, and honestly, I didn't really want to be a part of that. You know, I didn't want to support that. So I just got really jaded and was running out of money, if not probably was out of money. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember at a, at a Friendsgiving um, somewhere at a, at a restaurant in New York, um, a friend's friend's husband was sitting there and he's like, you know, I've been reading about um, this thing called ayahuasca because I was talking about how jaded I was and how detached I was from life really you know like I was I was so numb I just really didn't really care about anything and that was very apparent so anyway so he mentioned ayahuasca and he said he's been reading about about it he said it was uh, his understanding was that it was like 20 years of therapy in five hours and I was like hmm that sounds very efficient (laughs) you know um so that drew me to it and he was uh you know he was talking of he talked about and he said he would never he himself wouldn't do it he didn't feel like it was something he could do but that for people who were really disillusioned, like I was, that it was a kind of the perfect thing. So I went home. I did not do very much research, but I found I did, honestly, I didn't really care. I was like something that that like radical, you know, my whole family was like, don't do it. It's got it's got DMT in it. You know, it's a drug. And, <laughs> and you want to go to Peru to do that, you know, mm. by yourself. And I was like, yeah, I said, well, someone can come with me if they want, but nobody wanted to go do it. Mm. So, um, so I was, I was okay with what happened because I was like, first of all, in my jaded mind, bitter and jaded, that's New York, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, it can't be worse than what I've all this (laughs) exploitation that's already happening. You know, like I'd rather go be exploited in on the mountains of Peru than, Mm -hmm. um, in a concrete jungle. So, um, so yeah, I, on the, on the, I just researched, I, I did find in my research, I found one person who had died from like a, a what do they call him? They call him like a street shaman. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can't go to the street shamans. Right. So I found right. a retreat that on the homepage was a picture of the Dalai Lama. And I was like, great, done. This is, oops. oh my gosh, look at that. Um, there goes my light. Interesting. Um, but anyway, so I was like, that's good. That's good enough for me. If it's good enough for the Dalai Lama, then it's definitely good enough for me. So I, uh, I went down there and it really did change my life. It was, you know, my mom was like, there is no cure all. And it ended up being basically a cure all. I think I I did die. The shaman said right before we went into the ceremony, he said, you know, be prepared. You got to be prepared to die. Be okay with dying. You know, this Mm. is a space. We, there was a nurse on hand and so you let yourself die. And honestly, I was okay with that because I didn't like the world I was living in, you know? Right, right. So I was just in such the right place for it. And I really do believe that I did die. You know, a big part of me died mm-hmm. and I was reborn. And yeah, it was, um, you know, I could just see, I could see, you know, I definitely developed a relationship with the earth in a way that I didn't have before. And and that felt very comforting because it's not like the earth doesn't exploit us. You know, we don't get exploited by the earth. And so felt, it felt really, yeah, it was like a homecoming, I guess. Wow. And so, and how many ceremonies did you do when you were down there? Only two, you know, it was it was really interesting because one of the things was I wrote in my journal, you know, that I just felt so like blocked. I felt like there was a big, these blocks in my life and I didn't know how to move forward. And then on the first day I arrived, there was a tree, they were driving us up to, you know, they picked me up at my hotel in Cusco Mm -hmm. um, and they drove us up to the retreat and there was a tree that had fallen on the road and the road was literally blocked. And this was in Peru where they can't just bring up, a, you know, something to remove the tree. So they had to drive me back to the hotel. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so blocked. I'm literally blocked. You know? <laughs> um, so I actually missed out on a full day at the retreat, which I was really bummed about. Uh... Um, so I only got two ceremonies and, and the first one, nothing really, you know, they say that, you, you know, you got, you got to let go, you got to right. let it happen. And I think right. I probably was still, maybe fighting it a little bit on that first one. So it wasn't really until the second one that I felt like I was able to let mother ayahuasca hold me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really give into that. So, so really, yeah. you know, like just two ceremonies, so that's all it took for me, you know, some, I would love to do it again, though. I'm actually been thinking about maybe doing it again. Um, but you know, I, I kind of all that was all I could afford too at the time, you know, it's twice as expensive now. And the whole thing I put on credit, 
So, because I was so, so then, like, what happened when he came back? Well, my first experience, because I, I never used the word concrete jungle before. Uh-huh. So it was the first time that I literally felt that I felt the energy, you know, because again, I'm an empath. So I felt the energy of the concrete in a way that I had not felt. And just getting on the subway from the ho- from the airport on um, getting back from Peru, all of a sudden there are these angry people, you know, it's the survival mode of New York City. And there's people kind of yelling at each other and kind of doing their thing. And I was like, I felt so it was intense because I was also so open and so loved. And like my, my biggest like takeaway was love is always the answer, you know? Yes. <laughs> so I was full of love. And then there's these people who were very kind of violent. So that was a little jarring, but, um, but there was something about, and, and, and a little disconnecting because pre Peru, I had, I kind of admired that because it was people kind of standing up for, it was very New York, you know, and you kind of get respected when you yell at people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's always something that I kind of resonated with. So, you know, I was, that felt a little weird. And then walking down the street to get to my home, you know, and feeling the energy of the concrete felt very weird. Luckily, I lived near Central Park. So I walked over to Central Park and I could get some nature. Um, but I actually ended up in the emergency room that first night because I Ooh. had, I had the first panic attack I'd ever had. And I didn't know what a panic attack was. Again, this was, I know it's like, it's not even that long ago, but, you know, mental health has become a a thing that we talk about now. People didn't talk about it, you know, in 2015, at least not in my world. So I didn't know what a panic attack was. I couldn't breathe. Um, It was just, I just freaked out. And all I, you know, my family who also is very square, I guess you could say, Mm. they were like, you have to call, call the, um, you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have called, um, but I called. 911 they they brought like a an ambulance and they because I all I said was I just did DMT basically because they didn't know what ayahuasca was so I said it's basically DMT so I I had never really done drugs before this so I was you know my family was like oh there's it's probably something in the DMT you know um so they ended up taking me to the hospital and you know as soon as I could breathe I just couldn't breathe that's all because yeah. I was panicking so right. as soon as I calmed down and could breathe I was fine and, um, yeah. And so that was an interesting experience. So, so, <laughs> but, 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 but like, then how did you just show up? Like, what was life like for you once you were back and you're having to deal with some of the stuff that you dealt with before that you, you know, maybe were running away from before, but now you're back home and you have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I started doing integration. Cause I think that's, that's what I needed was integration, but integration wasn't a thing, right. back then, you know? So, um, my, my kind of approach was to just not do anything. Like I kind of let go of everything. I kind of stopped showing up. I just was attending to my body, my care. Mm-hmm. I was allowing that space. Like I was saying with, when you t- were talking about grief and I think right now grief is so present in everyone's lives because of yeah. the world events and right. we don't tend to allow space for the grief we're like how can right. we what's the solution you know how do we get out of this instead of stopping and just allowing space to grieve so right. i think that's what i did i did basically absolutely nothing for a few months and i mean i must have been working i don't even remember how i was oh i was actually i think i was doing airbnb that was how i was making money uh, this was also before airbnb what it kind of became they crunched down on that but um yeah. So, I mean, I, somehow I was making money cause I didn't have a lot of money, but, um, but I was not trying to do anything big, you know, right, that I was right. just like grieving. I think I was grieving and trying to find and listen to myself because that's what I was bombarded by New York. You know, I spent a lot of time in the park and, um, yeah. was trying to listen to myself instead of everybody else around me telling me what I should be doing. Right. Right. All right. Wonderful. Well, I know there's a lot more on the integration side of that. And I'd like to get into that, but we don't have that much more time. We got to take our last break of the show. So when we come back, let's just kind of talk about like, like briefly just what you switched and changed then coming back, having these new realizations and then where are you today and what's going on now? Okay. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Weakening Humanity, and we'll be right back to wrap it all up with our guest, Emelina Pedigo, in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. 
I'm Matthew Aspinall, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Melina, how did this experience affect what you were doing and, and, and how you're doing things now? Yeah. Okay. I also want to just say, cause this time went by so fast that, um, you know, I really, if there were shows like yours happening at the time, you know, I, maybe I wouldn't have needed to go in the first place. So I just want to thank you for what you do and, and kind of highlight how important shows like yours are. And I think you really are contributing to kind of this great awakening. So thank you for that. Um, and so in terms of my work, I think I, uh, I started to awaken <laughs> actually, you know, that's exactly what's happening. So I started, my work turned to more holistic things. You know, I started working with individual artists instead of producing shows. I was, I, I like was, um, producing showcases, I guess you could say, but it was very, I w- they weren't like these elaborate productions I was doing before I was just doing like, um, I just call them showcases like with musicians. Mostly. I also kind of did more kind of gave up theater and started just doing working with more singer songwriters. And, um, and then, you know, because I was, I started studying artist development because I think that's what was happening with me too. I was realizing that my art, what was happening in terms of my art, you know, and creativity. And so that's where I decided I would love to work with artists specifically who have, you know, who like an integration because, and it's not just for me, it's not just integration from these, psychedelic experiences it's also integration from maybe being exploited you know maybe like having to survive new york city or you know it's like exploit you know exploitation needs integration you need to integrate that you know or just integrating your creativity into like a world that doesn't recognize it and wants to otherize you for your differences you know so that's the kind of integration work that i got really interested in um, and you know, I, I moved to Hawaii, so I live in Hawaii now, big change for me. I, I needed yeah. to kind of get away from New York for a while. Which Island are you on? I'm on Oahu right now. Oh, okay. I'm trying to work my way over to the big Island. I think I'm drawn uh, to the big Island. The big um, Island's beautiful. Fire. Yeah. The fire of Pele. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I just, I got more interested in this artist development work. And so that's what I'm really writing about, about how we, how we tend to our creativity basically. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause integration, it, it, it's, you know, we talk about it and it's mostly these days you hear about it in terms of, you know, what to do after you have a psychedelic ceremony or something, but it's actually something that's very key to everything. I mean, 
any peak experience, whether you're you're walking on fire or running a marathon or doing anything, it's all about, well, okay, now you've had this peak experience. How are you integrating that experience into your day-to-day life? What did you learn from it? How do you use it? Or even, you know, you fall in love with someone. There's a whole integration there. Or the person you fell in love with just left you. How are you integrating that? It, it's really something that can apply to almost anything in life. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's kind of what I started doing in terms of coaching, but Mm -hmm. also in kind of my, I'm kind of back right now, as we speak, I'm kind of back in this place of just allowing space Uh new to come in, as you talked about in your, you know, blog, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm letting what needs to come in, come in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's still developing. I'm really interested in development, I think at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. And so um, and also what I found in, in terms of coaching was that people don't want to hear that you need time and space to develop, <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially in New York, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what can, how do I make money now? You know, or right. how can I get this, my art scene now? And it's like, well, you know, take the time. So, um, so I kind of backed off of coaching a little bit and, and I also write a blog. Um, so I have written a blog, I'm, I am writing a book. But I'm also just allowing myself to develop. So, you know, be the change. That's mm. what I, hope I can be. So are you still involved with Arts Lab or not anymore? Well, actually, interesting that you mentioned that because my partner, Matthew Hagum, he also has a very, he'd be great for the show, by the way. He has yes, a very, I know Matthew. We, we, we are oh, old friends. Fantastic. Okay, great. So he was my co-founder. Uh, so we, we've recently been talking about doing another cohort. So we just did one cohort and mm-hmm. then his life really, well, and my life, it just took us away from being able to do it again. It took, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it takes a lot of time. It was a six month cohort and uh, we just, he was just in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so we were talking about our creative juices are flowing. It's like what we do. So we might start another cohort. Um, It is a lot of fun. He has his 10,000 creators business, which is basically another version of of Arts Lab. So if people are interested in in an incubator program, I would actually send them to him. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do like the idea of taking, but I think what I love about Matthew is that we'll we'll have a very rigorous application process so that, you know, we're Mm -hmm. only going to be taking on people who really want to develop in a holistic way for not just them but their art and their creativity so yeah so that might be might be to come but in the past we've only done one cool cool gotcha 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 so um i'm curious about that conscious capitalism that you were involved with what was that like and and what happened with all that yeah well let's see um how to be political Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i was with i will say that i was with them for a very short time Um, actually matthew hagum connected me with them and he had he also served on the board for a short time um i love the concept of conscious capitalism and there is a book written by the co-founder or the founder of whole foods i believe Mm -hmm. uh that talks about these four tenets of capitalism. It's basically a way, it's like a conscious way to create a business. So it includes Mm -hmm. bringing in your community. It includes giving Mm -hmm. back to your community, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and there's certain tenets. And so I really loved that idea. And I think what happened though, unfortunately was they needed money. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so what, cause we were doing these events and we were getting people, I mean, I was really interested in the conversation around it. uh, But I think a, a, and I think what happened was that some of the, for me, some of the tenants got lost in the application of it. Um, and I would argue because people don't want to take the time and space to create it. And, and in all fairness, capitalism doesn't really allow for that, right? Like venture capitalists, they want the quick exit, you know? Right. And if, and what's interesting to me, speaking of capitalism, is how um, a lot of these venture capitalists have started getting interested in the psychedelic space, yes. you know, especially with psilocybin and, you know, MDMA and a lot of these things. So to me, there's this, and this is what I couldn't reconcile is, and also what the reason why, another reason why I kind of left was that we, we were no longer in New York. We got taken over. We were a New York chapter and we kind of got taken Uh over by an international chapter. So it felt Uh less New York to me. Um, But there, there's this disconnect to me about like the whole psychedelic phenomena to me is about like slowing down and going within and being a little bit more holistic and the, and capitalism, like I said, rewards the fast pace and mm-hmm. uh, um, quick exits. So there's a disconnect there. Like you can't, 
in my mind, you can't make ayahuasca like this, you know, you can't make profit, you know, I mean, you can make profit probably, but it can't be your focus, you know? And if there's like competitive ayahuasca ceremonies, it's like, it loses the holistic component of it. So I'm actually kind of watching that. I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually at the uh, psychedelic sciences conference in Denver in June Mm. and it was massive. I mean, there was over 12,000 people there. Actually the founder of whole foods, uh, John McKay was there and he gave a talk and all kinds of people and, and some really amazing folks, but you could feel like the energy around the industry is about ready to explode. Um, but like, Someone made the comment. I thought it was very interesting. She said, I just don't want to see psychedelics lose the weird component to it because it's the weird people who make it real. Yeah. And, And so it's like as the big money moves in, it's, you know, we got to systematize and strategize and all this stuff. And then it becomes less organic, which is where it all came from, is from a very organic place. And also there's space for it to be individualized. And in, 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 when you put a system on something, I think, and this is part Western systems, certainly, uh, you lose the space for people to find their own system. And to mm. me, that's what it was all about. You know, it was like breaking out of the systems that I didn't fit into. Right. So, yeah, it concerns me when I hear those things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I can understand. But then again, you know, Mother Ayahuasca knows best. So. Right. <laughs> So, so uh, we just got about a minute to close up the show. If people want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, how would they find you? You can go to my website, www.showgoesonproductions.com. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I would recommend uh, signing up for my mailing list, actually, because that's probably the best way. And I just send out um, emails periodically um, mm-hmm. with like little insights that I've had, you know, and mm-hmm. it is interesting living, um, so close to the ocean and so close yeah. to the land in a way that I wasn't before. So, you know, I think I've got some interesting tidbits on there. Um, if you really want to email me, you're welcome to at the show goes on at gmail.com. Um, but otherwise I'd say my website's the way to go. Cool. Cool. And, and uh, what do, do we have any idea what the future holds for Emelina or is it just totally up in the air at the moment? Um, I think it's totally up in the air, which is scary, but it feels honest. You know, I think when I was in New York, it's all about what's next, what's next. And to me, that felt like a box. Mm. So like, you know, like with the book, I've been saying for years when the book is giving a date of when the book is going to come out. And I I just finally have to say it will come out when it's ready. I can't put it into a box. I can't put my art into a box, which Mm. is why arts meets biz is such an interesting concept, you know? So, um, so yeah, the future, I think staying present, staying present to so many changes that's happening in the world right now yes. and how they're affecting yeah. those that are most vulnerable, like us artists. Yes. So yeah. I just kind of want to sit and watch and react and let space for what needs to come, come. Wonderful. Well, Emelina, thank you so much for making time out of your day to come on my show. I truly appreciate it. I wish you lots of luck on your path. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, then thank you again for the for the conscious consultant hour and everything you do as well. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners, for tuning in week after week. The show is pre-recorded, so I didn't get a chance to see your comments online. Um, but I will be back next week. I'll be live again next week. So thank you all for tuning in. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always watch the recording on talkradio.nyc. And we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the Conscious Consultant Hour. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronku, host of The Hard Skills, 
on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to the hard skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.